Hey there, welcome to the show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany and welcome everyone. And we are talking today about a pillar of my entire platform. Another one of the pillars is health. And we are talking specifically today about women's health. And I have this fabulous woman back for the third time. I just had to, you know, ring her in here, but she is fabulous. Dr. Carolyn Moyers with Skies Women Health. Welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. It is so good to see you again. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate this because you are, you're an advocate for women and women's health and you're sharing and you are a board certified OBGYN. Right. You have your fabulous, wonderful practice here in Fort Worth. And I've known you for a few years and you've helped so many people on my show and your podcast is too, yeah. as well. Sky Women is your podcast. Right. So we're going to link that in the show notes, everyone, and we're going to talk about that more. But I have the demographics of about 18 to 44-ish. Um, that is the majority of my demographics, women, um, for my platforms, all platforms. And I asked Carolyn to come on today because so many of you have asked me about birth control. And I am... I'm I'm not out to pasture, but I'm postmenopause, and so I have nothing to do with with birth control any longer. And um, so I wanted you to come on and really share with us your thoughts because I get all kind of questions about this. I'm sure. I'm sure. Happy to chat about it. I could do this in my sleep. So <laughs> I bet you can. I bet you can. You know, back when I was taking birth control, it was the NuvaRing that worked for me, and then the pill. But I had horrible side effects. Um, that didn't work out well for me. And ironically, my daughter has the same side effects. So she's no longer on birth control. I don't have a need, but because um, I have a hormone replacement and that's another actually go back because we, um, July of 2021, we talked about hormones and um, the stigma of menopause in October of 2022, um, Carolyn was on. And so now talking about birth control with that demographic in mind. So tell us yeah. what's the scoop these days? Well, we have so many options, and that's the exciting thing, is that you have a tremendous amount of options. Some patients choose to do some natural family planning where they're actually timing and tracking their cycles and avoiding intercourse around the time of ovulation. And then others, we have barrier methods, we have combined hormonal birth control, we have progesterone only. So we have short-acting birth control and then long-acting birth control. Okay, back up. I'm just going to go ahead and play dumb. Sure. Tell us what the barrier method is. So when we talk about barrier methods, we're talking about condoms. Um, you have female condoms and male condoms. We do? Female? Yes. Really? Yes. See? And um, spermicides and different things like that. And are they, what is the percentage that they are accurate? So definitely less effective. So I have this great little graph in the office and we go from these are the least effective and these are the most effective. So the nice thing about, so you have the option for barrier methods and we want to use those to prevent against sexually transmitted infections, regardless of whether we're on a birth control, if we're young and sexually active. Um, but as we work our way up to a combined hormonal birth control pill, so like the pill, the standard pill, it's only as effective as perfect use, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can definitely have failures, but typically with perfect use, it's one out of 100 women would get pregnant on the birth control pill. And that's the same for birth control pill, patch, or ring. 
Okay. Okay. Then as we work our way up to the long acting reversible birth control, so we're talking about an IUD or a um, implant, the Nexplanon implant that goes in the small of the arm. These options are as effective as having your tubes tied or having your tubes removed, but they are reversible. Are they? And so reversible, you can remove these, right? Yeah. And you and you put these, what is the right word? Implant them? Or is that right? Yes. Yeah. So either, you know, your nurse practitioner, your physician is going to put in the IUD or the Nexplanon device and it stays in place for its duration. Now, um, several of our IUDs are now approved for eight years. Mm -hmm. So the Mirena IUD is good for eight years and it has an indication for heavy menstrual bleeding. And so does Lyletta. So those are exciting options. Mm -hmm. And then you have a Paragard, which is a non-hormonal option for um, an IUD. But typically heavier bleeding and more painful really? with the Paragard. I have some people who love it because they want something non-hormonal. Personally, I feel like I'd take more out than I put in. Really? I think that was the one I had put in and, and I took it out. It was so painful and I bled the entire time. And so it didn't work out well for me. And of course, you know, I throw the baby out with a bath because I honestly, I just, I, I drew this conclusion that it wasn't for me. So condoms were it for sure. Right. So, you know, I mean, that's, that was, but the other one, it was the Marina or the parent, the Marina you like better. Marina is a progesterone IUD. So it has levonorgestrel and it has an indication for heavy menstrual bleeding. So typically cycles are lighter. Yep. Less frequent, mm -hmm. perhaps not at all. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about that. If you don't have a cycle, how do you know where you are? Are there are, are there ways? Are there are there apps that can? I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's if you don't bleed, is that a bad thing? No, because the way the way birth control works in general, whether we're talking about so the the pill and and the IUD have slightly different mechanisms, but essentially with most birth control. We are thinning the lining of the uterus, we're increasing cervical mucus, and we're suppressing ovulation. So those are the three mechanisms by which birth control works. Okay. So um, with the IUD, it's thinning the lining of the uterus, so there's less to shed. Mm. So it's not um, bad if you don't have a period. Now, if you're not on anything and you're not having a period, then we need to have a different conversation. Right, because you need to be on something, correct? Well, there is a concern that is this polycystic ovarian syndrome? Do you have um, more estrogen on board so that um, we are not protecting the lining of your uterus? So if, if you're not cycling, if you're not shedding that lining, could you develop hyperplasia or some precancerous cells or cancer of the uterus? Wow. Okay. So your opinion, if, if you're not sexually active, is there a time that you should start birth control? My daughter's, my daughter's pediatrician highly recommended that she, when she goes to college, that she get on some form of birth control, right? <laughs> she started earlier because she had breakouts and it did help her break out. So is there a range or how do you have this conversation with these young girls and do they come in with their parents? Yes. Sometimes. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. Dot, dot, dot. So, yeah. So sometimes they do come in with their parents and sometimes they're, you know, out of their teens and early college. And what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And so I would say more often than not, I have um, young girls who are coming in alone 
to have these conversations and decide what to do. Sometimes mom's on the phone, you know, sometimes they're out of state. Um, it is less frequent that way I have teenagers coming in with their moms to have these conversations. Really? Mm -hmm. And we're in a college town, so. Right, right. So the concern is, are we not having these conversations or are they taking it into their own hands, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I just think having the, the door open for honest conversations, educational conversations really makes a difference. And in terms of when to start a birth control, that is really individualized, right? You know, are, do, are we having symptoms? Are we, do we have endometriosis where we're missing school from painful, heavy periods and other symptoms that can go along with that? You know, are they missing um, days of school every month? You know, I've had patients who um, have dropped to part-time in school or living with parents now because they're so miserable with pain. Well, what is the cause of that? If we can get to the root cause, then we can start making some headway. Mm -hmm. The answer is not always birth control. You know, sometimes it's that they need pelvic floor physical therapy because they have, actually have a hypertonic pelvic floor and is restricting the blood flow, restricting the the neural pathway, the oxygen to right. the, the muscles, and it's creating this chronic pelvic pain. Um, so the real the root of it is what is most important, mm -hmm. right? So it's not always, here's some birth control, see you next year. Right, right, right. My daughter was, now she's off birth control, and, and her physician gave her low-dose progesterone, and it's mm -hmm. a game changer for her. I mean, a game changer. Okay. You know, mood and, and, and breakouts, everything, weight, everything. So it really was. But with birth control, do you, is there, is progesterone in birth control pills? I'm trying to spit this out. Yeah. So there are different, there are different varieties of progesterone that's available in the birth controls, right? And so one may work better for others and it depends on what option. So like traditional hormone therapy that we use in later years mm -hmm. is a different form of birth of, of progesterone than the progestins that are in really? contraception. Right. And so some have different side effects and some tolerate differently. So the thing I always say, particularly when we're talking about like perimenopause and menopause treatment is if your hormone therapy isn't working, it's either the dose, the route, or the formulation. Mm -hmm. The same is true for birth control. Now, if we're talking about birth control for body autonomy and controlling when and whom you engage with right. and, you know, cycle control and, you know, how you plan to live your life and, and plan your family down the line. Um, that may be a different conversation. You have so many options, whether you don't want to have a period, you do want to have a period, you know, we have all these options. But if it's, you know, other symptoms like PMS related symptoms, PMDD, there are so many options. It's a matter of finding the right one. So if one isn't working for you, that doesn't mean that you didn't tolerate birth control. It just means you didn't find the right one. And it takes a little bit of back and forth. And I think what happens in our medical system, unfortunately, is that oftentimes women feel dismissed. They feel poo-pooed when they come with their complaints and they feel like it's all in their head. If men were going through this, it would be a totally different story. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about women being educated so that they can go and have these conversations with their provider and con consider what it is that's best for them. Absolutely. So 
when you when one, one size does not fit all is what I'm hearing Correct. you say. Correct. So how long, let's say you have a patient and they're on for how long before you change to something else? A month, two months, three months? Is there a standard like that's just not working? Is there a, there a time that your body has to acclimate to that yes. medication? Yeah, that's my question. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So typically with any new hormonal method, it's on average three to six months Three to six months. before we start seeing it kind of regulate. And so it takes consistent use. But a lot of times what I'll see is like they take it for two weeks. They're like, oh, I don't like that. I'm right. Like, didn't oh, work for me. For sure. For sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it really takes a little bit of trust and buy-in. So whenever I'm counseling a patient, sometimes we don't make a decision that day. You know, it's a lot of information to take in. So I then say, okay, now you're going to go listen to this podcast episode and you're going to listen to all of the options again and consider what it is you really want to do. Or, you know, here's a pamphlet, here's some information to look at to really make that decision because you need that buy-in. Because one, the most effective birth control is the one you use, mm-hmm. right? So if it's sitting on the counter next to your toothbrush, <laughs> it's not helpful. And you forget. <laughs> whether we're treating your symptoms uh, like PMS or whether we're trying to prevent pregnancy, both are true, right? It's only effective if we use it. And so if we have the buy-in, then we have more consistent use, then can we can truly see what the symptoms are. Most common symptoms from taking birth control are nausea, breast tenderness, headaches. Those are the most common symptoms. Now, the more severe things that we think about are like stroke, cardiovascular accident, um, or even, um, you know, deep vein thrombosis. So having a blood clot of some sort. Now, it's rare that that happens. You know, we're at greater risk for those things whenever we're pregnant. Right. If we're taking birth control, we have another risk, but it's kind of stair step. And then if we're on hormone therapy, that risk is significantly lower because the dosing is so much lower than what's in birth control. Right, right. And, you know, I have rapid fire questions because as you speak, I am I have these questions sure. ready to go. If someone talk about the responsibility of taking birth control and you have to take it and it is effective. But what if someone skips or forgets? Doesn't, they don't intentionally skip, obviously. But what is the protocol? Yeah, it depends on how many pills you've missed. Yeah. <laughs> But typically, if it's just one, then you're going to make that up as soon as you remember. Or if it's the next day, you're going to take two. Yes. Right? Yes. So there is a protocol for for catching up. Yes. And if you've missed more than one, you're going to use backup method for a week. So a barrier method for a week. Okay. But unless you're in a long-term committed monogamous relationship, you need to be using a barrier method. End of story. You heard it right here. Okay. Yes, for sure. And and that... It doesn't feel good I, when a young man says that. Whatever does a having a baby feel good? I don't know what. To <laughs> yeah, you know what I always say to that is that we have to set boundaries for ourselves. It's a matter of th- these are the boundaries that I have. If you want to get with me, you're going to use a condom. A barrier method is necessary mm-hmm. because what we don't think about in the moment is that HIV is something that can be contracted, right? It's still a thing. It's still a thing. Um, HSV, herpes simplex virus. If that comes back at the time that you're delivering a baby and you have a lesion, you have to have a C-section when you could have had a vaginal delivery, right? So these are the gifts that can keep on giving. Um, Then there's always, you know, gonorrhea and chlamydia, which are the most common um, STDs running around. Mm -hmm. So this is why we have to use that barrier method to protect ourselves. And not to mention HPV and cervical cancer. Right. You know, uh, my sister's in healthcare, and we were talking during COVID. She was. She just mentioned. She said my HIV patients, and I literally looked at her and I went, "What?" 
<laughs> I, what? And she said, well, yes, it's, it's, I just didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a chef and I'm a podcast host, but I mean, I didn't realize that it's still, it is still a thing. I didn't realize, but she said we can control it now. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you just thought it. it was cured? I mean, I did. I thought it was gone. My goodness. <laughs> that was the 70s. Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> I thought it was with Disco. It was out of here. Right, right? right. It's not. So yes, I did learn about that. But think about it, y'all. Are they teaching this in the schools? Are they still teaching? I have no idea what the state of our current sex education is, but if it's anything like what we got, it's miserable. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so ineffective. Um, it's basically like, I can't remember what that show is. It, it was a movie and they give a sex education <laughs> video. And right. It's basically like, don't have sex. Here's some condoms, you know? Right, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pictures of STDs, et cetera. So, I mean, there definitely is a move afoot to improve our sex education, but most adults didn't even get good sex education. What? Everyone's having sex, but not talking about sex. Mm -hmm. And so therein lies another problem. A great book to read is You Are Not Broken. Yes. Stop shooting all over your sex life. It yes. is a great read for um, late teens, um, 20s, your 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever age, you and your partner could read this. It's a great book by Kelly Casperson. And you mentioned that in the podcast you and I did, July of 2021, You Are Not Broken. We talked about that we book. We talked about that. Sure. Right. Yes, That's we right. did. Okay, so I have a friend that we were talking about this this morning. COVID did a lot of things, too. I mean, it whether you're for or against a vaccine, that's that's neither here nor there. But COVID even contracting it. And she had, she was on birth control, took it religiously, just, mm -hmm. I mean, had the same one. And we're going to talk about generic here in a minute. But breakthrough. She was so nervous because she was breakthrough bleeding often. Are you still covered if you're breakthrough and you know, I mean, she's in her 40s. She knew that she did not miss a pill. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So how to un unravel that? I mean, I think that with COVID, we just have to monitor symptoms, et cetera. But if you're consistently taking your birth control pill, then yes, you are covered. Now, breakthrough bleeding could be for a number of reasons um, that need to be addressed. Maybe it's the dosing or the formulation that needs to change. Maybe it's a thyroid disorder or diabetes that's uh, presented itself, you know, that needs to be addressed. So you just, again, you have to kind of uh, look at the underlying cause. Um, maybe an ultrasound is necessary because kind of the gold standard for looking at our uterus and our ovaries is a pelvic ultrasound. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when the young women I have talked to, when they are prescribed birth control pill and they have been given, it's not a, what do you call it? It's a generic, it's not a name brand um, for various reasons, whatever the insurance reasons or whatever. When you take a generic, a different one every single month, that has to do a number on you, right? Because aren't their formulations different? Yes. So this is one of the really frustrating things. And honestly, I didn't learn this until I was an attending. I didn't learn this until it was explained to me within the industry. So your, your generics are going to have more range of variation in the dosing. So... If you're taking a generic pill, fine. Just make sure that every month they're giving you the same generic. I just had this instance today. I had a, a follow-up ap appointment because the patient was concerned about her change in bleeding profile. And I had that she was on a certain dose. She thought she was on a different dose. I call her pharmacy, and when they refilled it, they gave her a totally different dosing. For sure. So you have to 
look at that closely. And it's unfortunate that we have to monitor it as closely as we do. Um, but you just can't trust that you're getting the same thing. It's a generic, but is it the same generic that you've been getting? I know, because that can cause some serious problems. I yeah. mean, and, and I think about young women in college and if they have the, if they, I mean, if they're proactive and taking care of their health, and they're maybe afraid to ask the pharmacy for the the same generic. You know what I mean? So I yeah. feel poorly about that because it's just tough. I mean, yeah, you know, as women in healthcare, we have to advocate for ourselves yeah. at every turn. At every turn, it, whenever we are, um, you know, tr trying to prevent pregnancy, whenever we're trying to control our symptoms of, of horrible periods. Whenever we're going through perimenopause and menopause, like the whole gamut during our pregnancies, we really have to carefully advocate for ourselves so that we are not dismissed in the system. You know, you and I both are blessed because we are, we do have a platform of podcasting and I have learned so much from you and so many providers um, about health and advocating for my health. I, I told you before the show started and I have a breast implant illness, but it took a long time for someone, for me to go into an office and have someone go, I'm hearing you. You know what I mean? Right. Same thing with you. I'm sure you're having young women come in that don't feel heard in certain situations with different positions, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, I would say that that's the majority of my practice because yes. my whole vision in starting Sky was to provide a safe place for women to be seen and heard because as after practicing for a dozen years, I just said, we deserve better. Mm -hmm. I deserve better and, and my patients deserve better. Yeah. So how do we create this environment where we're not just a number? Not just a number and in and out, in and out. And you provide that at your Ebb Sky. I, I know you do. It's amazing. Okay. I asked you about this before the show and I'm not even sure. I can't remember what we said, but over the counter birth control, they're starting, they're, they're, they may not be out yet. I'm not sure. But. Coming soon is what I'm seeing still as well. And it's progesterone only. So for the longest time, we had the mini pill, which was the only progesterone. And really, we only use it in the postpartum period uh, when a woman is breastfeeding and maybe not wanting to impact her milk supply. And we would use it up to six months because that's really the only reliable time we could use it. You had to take it at the same time every day or it was not effective. And then we got SLIN, which is a drospirinone, which is a progesterone only, which has a more forgiving window. You have that same 24-hour window to take your birth control pills, similar to a combined hormonal birth control with estrogen and progesterone. And so the new one that's coming out is a progesterone only that's supposed to be over the counter. So that is exciting. That is empowering for women to have that control. They do have that control. But does it concern you because one size doesn't fit all or birth control? If you need birth control, you need it. Well, in some parts of the country, it is. I mean, yes. not in the U.S., but in other parts of the country, it is available over the counter. Mm -hmm. You can get your vaginal estrogen over the counter because it is safe for everybody. Right. Um, progesterone only is pretty benign. I would be perfectly fine with almost anybody taking it. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Let's go over to my side a little bit. I have a friend that's in her 70s and she will not let go of her little pill pack. Um, give us your opinion on that because I've shared mine and I'm not a doctor in healthcare <laughs> at all. But what are your thoughts on that? That just seems not right. So the general, there is no hard, fast rule. Similar to in, in years past, if you were 65 and older, it was like, eh, we're done with, with your hormone therapy. 
sorry, <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Yep. That is no longer the case with um, with birth control pills. The general consensus is that around the average age of menopause, we would transition to traditional hormone therapy. The reason being it's a significantly lower dose. Um, and you can do transdermal routes. You can do bioidentical options that are now, when I say that, I mean FDA-approved bioidentical sure. options that um, are safer for a woman as she ages because we have increased cardiovascular risks that are just inherent to age. And so for that reason, the general consensus is 51, 52, definitely by 55, we're transitioning to more traditional hormone therapy. Right. right. Because I don't, I'm not saying we're taking away your hormones completely because I want you to thrive in later years. Most of us are going to spend... 40% of our life in menopause. Mm -hmm. And so why not thrive during that time? And, you know, the myriad of symptoms that impact our entire body um, can be resolved with estrogen. <laughs> it can. And, you know, um, I, at 58, post-menopause, um, it's amazing because I'll go every three months, I have my blood checked and we check in and, and I'm, I'm I have three autoimmune diseases right now, but my freaking hormones are good, everybody. So... Yeah. The hormones are good, but for for a period of time, it was level to level. Too much estrogen, too much this, too much that. It was a dance to get there. So thank goodness I've finished that line right now. What is going on when I have break blue, breakthrough bleeding, when I did? what's What was happening there? So it oftentimes is disordered bleeding. Sometimes it's just atrophy. If we're talking, so two, two different, I know everyone hates that word. <laughs> So, but, but that's it's two different true. conversations. So in if we're talking about um, breakthrough bleeding on birth control, that may be a different mechanism than postmenopausal mm -hmm. breakthrough bleeding. So sometimes if the if the hormone levels are changed, we that may be the case. If the lining of the uterus is significantly thin in what we call atrophic, then it may be that it's just self-limited and it'll go away. But any postmenopausal bleeding is cancer until proven otherwise. So we are going to investigate that. Yes. And yeah. that's not pretty at my age with the atrophy word. I Good. Know, I'm sorry. Gracious. I'm sorry. Man. So in terms of atrophy, like we use that a lot with different tissue. Like, you know, if you don't use a muscle, it's going to become atrophic. Um, we use that a lot with the vagina, right? Yes. Talk about, can I say vagina on of your podcast? Of course you can. <laughs> so we now call that genitourinary syndrome of menopause. I have a, I have a label. Yeah. GSM. GSM. Okay, I like that better. <laughs> but it's true. Uh, true. I've had uh, a couple of instances with breakthrough bleeding and they couldn't get in, just couldn't get in. So one time I had to go under and the other time I had to suck it up. So it was very, very tough because I'm assuming that word you just used is what's going on with me. And I just don't, can't believe I'm here, but I'm here, but I'm here, y'all. Oh, no. Okay. So let's talk about the women that are listening now that are about to plan their family. It's time to plan their family. And they've been on birth control for however long. What is your suggestion for coming off birth control to plan your family? Yeah. So it, typically, you're going to want to start a um, your, your prenatal vitamin first before you come off. And then, because if you're in your fertile years, you need to be on a prenatal vitamin. We want to have that folic acid on board prior to conceiving. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of when to come off, it really depends on, you know, what are we thinking? Do we want to have a baby in the next year? Uh, do, how many children do we want to have? You know, kind of that timing, kind of, you can have these conversations with your OBGYN. Um, but typically, 
there's not a significant delay in ovulation for a birth control pill, for a progesterone IUD, for the patch, for the ring, all of the things. You can just stop them and happily try to conceive um, taking your prenatal vitamin. Now, um, if we're talking about Depo-Provera injection, which is the injection you get every 90 days, then that can take 18 months. That's the only one that has a significant delay in ovulatory cycle. Wow. And so for that one, if you're considering a family in the next two years, I do not recommend it. Right. Yeah. Right. When you're a certain age and you're ready to go. Of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh my goodness. And then when we're done having children, you can continue being on the birth control or you could decide on permanent sterilization, which could be either you personally have um, your tubes tied. Now, I will say in this day and age, majority of the time we are removing the tubes. Okay. Okay. So why do we remove the tubes when we're talking about a tubal ligation? So used to, we would put a little ovary ring around it, or we would put clips, middle metal clips on them, or we would cut out a section, or we would burn the fallopian tube. All of them have reasonable failure rates, right? right. Um, but what we know now about ovarian cancer is that a large majority of it actually originates from the fallopian tubes. And so we'll remove the fallopian tubes. Um, and that can be done whether you're having a hysterectomy or you're, you know, having another abdominal procedure. We call it an opportunistic bilateral salpingectomy. We'll just take those tubes out <laughs> because it reduces your risk of ovarian cancer. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Dr. Morris, you are such a an asset and such a gift to so many women Thank you. everywhere. And I know you travel, you've won multiple awards and I'm just so proud of you. And thank you for sharing this because it's necessary and you can tell you're very passionate about it. Love it so much. So how can we find you? Yeah. So you can find me um, at Dr. Carolyn Moyers on um, Instagram. Um, I have a presence on Instagram and Facebook with Sky Women's Health as well. Skywomenshealth.com. We're located right in Fort Worth at Henderson and Rosedale. And um, our podcast is on all major platforms, Sky Women. Sky Women. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Goodness, I hope you, some of you that are listening, take something away from this and, you know, think about your health and really, like we said, advocate for your health because it's certainly necessary. So everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening and keep being fabulous. <laughs>